You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. I've absolutely loved this series. If you've got a Bible with you, 2 Samuel 22, I'm just disappointed we didn't make it like a 10-week series rather than a 5-1. We've been looking at David serving the purpose of God in his generation. I'm going to read a whole chapter to us this morning. And uh, in terms of, I kept wrestling, oh, it's a lot of Bible. God thinks so much of this chapter, it's included twice. And so therefore, I thought, well, there's every reason for me to read it. So it is 2 Samuel 22, but actually, virtually the whole passage is word for word is Psalm 18. I'm reading the one from 2 Samuel 22, and this is David's song of praise. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my saviour. From violent men, you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled. And quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. The mount, he mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows, scattered the enemies. Bolts of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from my God. All his law are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. 
To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can scale, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help but there was no one to save them. To the Lord that he did not answer. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of my people. You have preserved me as the head of nations. People I did not know are subject to me, and foreigners come cringing to me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, the rock, my saviour. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes from violent men. You rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Wow. I love it. This is the word of God. We honestly believe this is the word of God. Father, as we look at this this psalm, we pray that you'd speak to us. We thank you as we've come to worship you already. You've spoken so clearly. We ask now that you take these words and apply them to our hearts. And we'd have the courage to take a hold of them and believe you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I've loved this series. Two books that I've used loads and and I feel I should honor them and recommend them. Straight to the heart. If ever you want some commentaries on the Bible, you think I could use this as a daily devotion. This is excellent guy called Phil Moore. So I went through that one. Uh, Also, this is another series. Uh, Good for you. They're called, uh, this one is Tim Chester to Samuel. Again, they can be devotional stuff. If anyone wants to have a little sniff through them, have a look. You are very welcome. 
The Bible has got one and two Samuel. I believe this was probably written as one book. And therefore, it makes a lot of sense that the author of this book, the composer of this book, has ended with a psalm and started with a psalm. We've not gone through the whole book systematically, but if we had, we would have started with the song of Hannah, which is in 1 Samuel 2, and then we end with the song of David. It's almost like, oh, you can see the beautiful structure of the book. The danger is that often we'd look at a book like this and we'd think, wow, David was a superhero for you. And we can easily focus on superheroes today. Let's be honest, if I was Black Panther, I could suddenly win. I could, not, I could take him on. If I was Dwayne Johnson, The Rock... That's not a picture of me on one side. That is what he started out as. That's how he ended up. You think, man, what a guy. What a legend. I would like to suggest that this song at the end of Samuel is saying, don't get fixated on the heroes. God wants to use you. And I would like to suggest, we haven't got chance, but next week, uh, if we'd have done another week on it, we could have gone into the prayer of David, which is the next chapter. And it's almost like the book ends with this, hey, look, he's been this great hero. David was, mm, you could say, the greatest king of Israel. Maybe we could put Solomon in there as well. The two of them was the pinnacle of the kingdom. But actually here, we suddenly get a clips behind what was the strength of David? And then when we get his prayer, we get his understanding of God. David has been amazing, but do not write yourself off. If I finish this series on serving the purpose of God in our generation, I don't want us to think, oh, David was incredible. I mean, he, he, he killed Goliath, the giant. You know what I'm saying? He extended the kingdom. He built the city. He danced before God. He's amazing. I would love us to go away and say, actually, but God wants to take a hold of people like you and I. Phil Moore, in his commentary, says, If we are humble, obedient, pure, passionate for his name, and repentant like David, then he promises, this is God, to strengthen us and to advance Jesus' kingdom. He promises that we are the kind of people he could use. I mean, I was expecting an amen, I've got to be honest. You know, we'd surely, if we, if we believe that, we think, hey, this is me. Don't write yourself off because of your age. Don't write yourself off because of your mistakes you've made. Paul was great. He talked about Bathsheba last week. God didn't write him off. Don't write yourself off because of your past. Don't write yourself off and say, look, there's no way I could possibly do this. David was exceptional and, and I'm me. I haven't got time to go through every verse. I guess I've broken the psalm up into three or four little sections. I guess my first thing is this. David's strength actually was entirely the Lord's. If we look through it from verse 1 to 6, and you, know, you could flick through or you can trust me on it, we know that the Lord delivered David from his enemies. David admits the Lord is his fortress in verse 2, his deliverer in verse 2, his refuge in verse 3, his shield in verse 3. He reckons that God is David's stronghold in verse 3. And if it had not been for David, God, David would have been dead. He says that in verse 5 and 6. David is not saying, it's all about me and my strength. He's ultimately saying, God, it's all about you and your strength. Let's not kid ourselves. We've got this far 
by the skin of our teeth. A <laughs> little bit of ducking and diving, you know what I'm saying? We've managed to do it. We've got all right. Oh, no. It's God. It's God. We suddenly think, what could God do? You see, verse 7 to 16, I would say the Lord is strong. He's strong enough to use even the weakest person. It says in that passage there, the earth trembles and quakes. God uses mighty angels as his chariots and the wind as his taxi service. He uses lightning bolts as arrows to shoot his enemies. The Red Sea was parted by the sniff of his nostrils, not the breath of his mouth. That's how powerful God is. If you think you are too weak for God to use you, you are not so much confessing what you believe about yourself, but what you believe about God. Oh, yeah. It's on the other foot, isn't it? You can say, oh, I don't know if God could use me. Why? Because you're looking at yourself. Well, it's actually what David is saying is God is strong and God is able to use me. And you're like, oh, but Pete, you don't know. Yeah, I'm not interested in you. It's God's strength. That's what the psalmist says. So what attracted God's strength to David? Well, I would say from verse 17 to 30, it was David's heart. Although David was weaker than his enemies, he delighted in God. David was humble, we read in verse 28. He was obedient, we read that in verse 22. He repented. We read that in verse 21. He recognizes that God is his lamp and leads him in verse 29. He recognizes that God will help him to overcome the wall in verse 30. So actually, we could say, golly, I'm not sure I can do it. You can do it. We can recognize that God is great. Do you recognize now your need of God? Do you recognize your need of God? You see, I think one of the distinguishing things about David, which is why David was used in his generation, is because he thought, I need God. And some of us, if we're really honest, I'm going to speak as a bloke, we can end up thinking, you know, I think I'll be all right. I think I can get by. I do my best. But do we recognize we are totally dependent upon God? You see, it goes on from verse 31 to 43, The Lord trained David to use his strength. I would even like to suggest it was God that guided the stone out of the sling to hit Goliath. God armed David with divine power, verse 33. God made his feet like the feet of a deer, in verse 34. God trained his hand for battle, in verse 35. It says, you arm me with strength for the battle, verse 40. You see, if we open ourselves up to be equipped by the Holy Spirit, who knows what God could do? Ah, but David was the superhero. He couldn't use me. But I would like to suggest that this whole psalm is that God saying, I can use you. I can use you if you're 75 and feel like you're retired. I can use you if you're 17 and not started your career. I can use you if you're 37 and you think, golly, I've just messed up. I can use you if you're single, if you're married. Whatever, God can use you. That's what I love about this. And then verse 44 to 51, you think, God, Pete, you've done the whole psalm. I know, I, I got up late, I'm going quick today. 
Why? It's for Jesus. The Lord strengthened David ultimately for the sake of the Messiah's name. God's true King and Messiah who will be the seed of David is Jesus Christ. Another commentator, I've not bought his book, a guy called Bill T. Arnold, he says this, This king, whom God has blessed with such favor, is no singular individual but David and his offspring forever, which refers to the royal family of David and ultimately to Christ. Why does God give us strength? Ultimately, so that we bring him glory. And I think we could see that in this psalm. And, and in many respects, I think, golly, if we just ended on that, we think, what, what a great way to end the series. What a great way to say, actually, David served the purpose of God in his generation. You can too. I just want to focus, though, on, on one word, which I felt really challenged by. You see, the, and I'm not taking this out of context, please. The Bible is full of themes. It is, it, I know we think of it as 66 books, but there are themes that run all the way through. One here is of God as a shield. And that's true elsewhere. We could read about that theme in Genesis 15. The word of the Lord came to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. And so you could say, well, actually, God said to Abraham, I'm your shield. He also said to David, I'm your shield. Oh, oh, is that just two things? No, actually, you could read about that in Deuteronomy. Blessed are you, Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. He is your shield and your helper and your glorious sword. And so you could see, oh, actually, a shield. I can see that in Scripture, it's in this psalm, but actually it's a biblical thing. God is my shield. You can know God is your shield because it's a biblical theme. But that's not the one word I'm going for today. The one word I want to pull out of here is used more than that. You can find it in verse 2, in verse 3, in verse 32, and verse 47. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. If you've been to the church before, you know that I have a little weakness, and it's for musicals. This week, I went to see Come From Away. If you've not seen it, go! Go! I hope they're now send me free tickets if ever they listen to this sermon. It was brilliant. The first song is called Welcome to the Rock. If you don't know the story, it's, it follows 9-11, actually, when the, the tragedy of the tax in America, and they suddenly say to all airplanes, you cannot fly. In Newfoundland, which is a, a small island just off Canada, they ended up grounding lots of flights. And so a town of 9,000 ended up having an additional 7,000 people staying there for up to a week. And it's the story of how that happened. How did they turn it into a musical? That's something else. Let's not get distracted. But they just start with this song, Welcome to the Rock. And I'm preaching on it this morning. And I just thought, yeah, come on, we could do it together. No, we couldn't. I do believe that the rock, though, is a biblical picture that again occurs time after time after time, and I think is key for us understanding this psalm and us understanding life. I told you that there are two psalms in the book of Samuel, one at the beginning and one at the end. Actually, they both take this theme. So Hannah, 
in hers, in 1 Samuel 2 verse 2, says this, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. So Hannah was singing about, oh God, you're my rock. I told you that if we were here next week, I'd have slipped into the prayer of David. David himself prays in 2 Samuel 23, the Lord of Israel spoke about the rock of Israel to me. So right through the book of Samuel, we get this theme of the rock. Tim Chester, the guy I quoted a lot, says, in the end, the only dependable thing in life is God. He is our rock. So if I split the the psalm in half, I'd have said, actually, God the rock is mighty to save. God the rock makes David to rule. Ah, we begin to see there's this strong theme of a rock. Tim Chester goes on to say, The Lord, the rock, arms you, keeps you, trains you, helps you, provides for you, strengthens you, delivers you, and preserves you. And you start to think, oh God, you're my rock. I don't know what you're facing at this time. I don't know what battle you might feel you're in. But if you look at this, you say, God is my rock. I, I'm very nervous about this next bit. If, if it doesn't help, just jump back in in one minute's time. You might say, oh, but Pete, how on earth could David claim to be righteous after last week? Now, some people think, did he write the psalm before the Bathsheba incident? And some think he wrote it afterwards. What we're fairly confident is that he would have understood something of God's forgiveness. You see, when David repented, Nathan came to him, and, said, and David said to Nathan, I've sinned. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. The danger is that we approach God on our righteousness, and David probably approached God on his righteousness. So we could say, oh, yeah, David, you've done that. How on earth could you say God? Well, actually, he knew that when God had forgiven, he'd forgiven completely. I think sometimes our weakness is that we don't forgive ourselves completely. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you from all unrighteousness. And so I think it's very fitting that this psalm is even at the end of David's life, following on from the incident that we were reading about last week, because actually he still says, I am righteous because his righteousness is not based on his actions, it's based on God's forgiveness. And I sometimes think we, we get weakened as Christians because we end up thinking our righteousness is whether or not I've had a good week. You could be sat here right now and thinking, oh, Nicky's banged on about the prayer meeting. Do you know, I never got to a single meeting. I'm not as holy as Nicky. And of course, that is true. None of us are as holy as Nicky. Of course, it's not true. Our righteousness is because of him. Our danger is you could hear the gift day announced. And you think, oh, bother, I I missed that. I wish I'd been a part of that. Oh, no, but my righteousness is not what I've done. David didn't approach God and suddenly say, oh, actually, his righteousness was given to him. We know that the rock provides a foundation for our lives. We know from the story of Jesus in Matthew 7 that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
not on what I've done, but on him. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew against them, beat the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So how did David understand the rock? How did David approach this? Obviously, there's a strong theme here of the rock. Well, if we had time, we could have gone back and looked at 1 Samuel 23. And 1 Samuel 23 was when David had been anointed by God to be king, but hadn't been recognized by the people. And so Saul got jealous of him. And you know that David was often running away from the king, Saul. And it even says, it's a bit like sort of Tom and Jerry, you know, David is running one side of this sort of mountain and Saul is chasing around on the other side. You know, it's closing in on him. And David's trying to hurry away, you know, and Saul's chasing on behind him. And then suddenly Saul gets this call, the Philistines have come to attack. And so Saul thinks, oh, bother, I've got to leave this. I've got to go back. I've got to defend the kingdom against the Philistines. So what does David say? 1 Samuel 23. Saul and his men began the search, and when David was told about it, he went down to the rock. And stayed in the desert of Moan. When Saul heard this, he went to the desert in pursuit of David. David never called it a mountain. He called it a rock. For David, the rock kept him safe from his enemies. At the end of his life, David asks, who is the rock? The Lord is my rock. So he had this sort of physical thing that prevented him from dying from at the hand. He felt like his enemy, but actually he said, God, you're the one. So what David was surely declaring is God stands between us and our enemies. As death and judgment close in, Jesus would stand between us and our enemies. This is what we believe. Jesus absorbs the wrath and takes the punishment that is coming my way. I'd like to suggest not just the rock of parting, but the rock is Christ. Let me go back on this. You see, obviously David would have known about the life of Moses. Moses also sang about the rock. You can read that in Deuteronomy 32. And if we had enough time, we'd go through there just to pick out verse 4 says, this is not coming up on the screen, trust me. Deuteronomy 32 says, he is the rock. His ways are perfect. This is Moses. He's the oh, God's the rock. They abandoned the God who made them and rejected, verse 15, the rock, their savior. Verse 30, this is Moses again, all in Deuteronomy 32. How could one man chase a thousand or put two men to fight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? Verse 31, he carries on, for their rock is not like our rock, even as our enemies concede. So Moses has understood God to be this rock. This whole psalm in Moses, Deuteronomy 32, was written on the back of an account that many of you would know. The people had complained against God. You can read about the story. In Exodus 17. And so what happens is, is God thinks, right, we're going to settle this. So on the one side, you've got God, literally. And on the other side of the rock are the 12 leaders of the tribes of Israel. 
And you know that Moses stands in the middle and Moses holds the rod and the rod is the staff of judgment. And these people are guilty because they've complained against an innocent God, a perfect God. So where's the rod going to come? Well, actually, what you'd know surely is that the rod would be lifted. Moses, the judge, surely he'd smack the people. But actually, the rod is told to hit the rock. And then what happens is the innocent are forgiven and the water flows in the desert. So the rock takes the punishment of the guilty. Now you can say, oh, God, that's a funny picture. How on earth do you understand that? Well, we understand the Old Testament often by the way it's interpreted in the New And Paul writes about this account himself in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10. And he says they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. This is referring to the Israelites. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So the story that Moses sings about is the rock is actually a pointer to Jesus on the cross. Many would say the greatest human trial ever. God on one side and humanity on the other. One side, the perfect sinless son of God, the other sinful humans. And God says, strike the rock, let judgment fall upon Jesus so that the guilty go free. When Moses and David describe God as the rock, they see one who takes our judgment. One who rescues us and puts us on a firm foundation. That's the rock. Several years ago, I was on holiday in Wales, and uh, I was with another family, family friend of ours, and uh, the two of us decided to swim around the headland. As we out swim around the headland, we see a seal in the sea. And I sort of think, you know, come on in. Hope, hope everything's all safe and all like that. Anyway, disappears. We try to go in, and there's waves crashing, and there's some rocks all there like that. And my friend goes to put his foot down because we're trying to you know, get in. He said, oh, I just felt something funny under my foot. I said, oh, what do you think that is? This is no word of a lie. We're in the sea. We're swimming like this. We're getting pushed around by the wave. Up pops the seal as close as Matt is to me and puts his head out and faces us. I think, oh, no, we're going to (laughs) die. So, you know, being the sort of gentleman that I am, I said, swim. I thought I could outswim a seal. I'm swimming backwards as fast as I can, looking for the seal to follow me. And my friend is going, don't leave me, Pete. He's swimming after me. I think, look, the seal's only going to eat one. I've only got to outswim my friend. As we're swimming around the headland, he says, I can feel bubbles from its nose on my feet. This seal follows us the whole way around the headland. Our kids are small. They're playing the beach. I'm swimming. Get out of the sea. There's a seal coming. Well, when I suddenly climbed on the rocks on the beach and got out, I thought, man, this is a safe place. I'm glad I've been rescued. Do we think that with God? Do you think, oh, God, I'm glad I've climbed onto a safe place. I'm glad I'm rescued. Are we aware of our need 
for him. You see, this psalm is not about what we achieve if we're going to serve the purpose of God in our generation. This psalm is about the God that we stand on, the God that takes the judgment, the God that protects, the God that provides. This psalm says, he has dealt with your sin. Don't try and be your own savior. We sing this um, uh, song, often my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When I used to go to the Baptist church, we sang the authorized version of that song. It's a verse that we don't actually sing much now. But it goes like this, on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand. And I want to encourage us. I honestly believe you must not write yourself off. God wants you to serve his purpose in your generation. But we'll only do it if we stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ. If we try and make ourselves good enough, we can't do it. We are weak people to be used by God. But it's not ultimately about us. It's ultimately about him. When I was praying for this morning, I said, oh God, what are you going to speak to us about? Two words came to me. Two words. I want to challenge people this morning, where is your security? Because he wants it to be in him. And I want to challenge people, where is your strength? Because it's to be in him. I think if we're going to serve the purpose of God in our generation, we've got to know that we're secure. It's not how have I done this week, this month, this term, this sales round. My security is based upon him. Let's be honest, so many other things would tell us, oh, you're not doing well. I mean, the other people's kids at school, I mean, they can count to a thousand and yours is struggling to get to ten. The other people, you know, they, they've just upgraded their car. They've done this. We can so often compare and feel bad. Our security must be on him. And our strength must come from him. I'd love to pray because God answers prayer. And if you're thinking here this morning, you know what, Pete? I do feel challenged about God being my rock and my security and my strength. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and I'm going to pray that you're going to know God as your security and your strength. If you'd like to respond, please stand. There's no pressure. You remain seated if you don't want to. We'll pray and then I'll hand back. Father, we do want to serve the purpose of God in our generation. Lord, we don't want to be a church that's just here and inward looking. Lord, in all that we do, we want to be serving you. I pray that we'll leave this series knowing you as our rock. You as the one that takes the judgment we deserve. You're the one that gives us security and a place to stand. You're the one that gives us strength for the future. God, we come to you this morning and say, we're not going to do it in our own. We don't want to do it in our own. We don't want to be a part of something that is just done by us. God, we want to believe for something supernatural that can only be done by you. 
Lord, let our lives, like David, let the secret be that we've humbly come and recognized our need of you and that you give us the strength that we need. Amen.